Hey everybody, welcome back to Evolved Athletics Radio. My name's Jim Young. This is episode 53, and we're going to talk about the importance of assessments. Now, I know this is something that I've touched on in the past, but I want to circle back around to it, uh, mainly because I think it's something you know important, and I think it should be a staple in anybody's fitness program, especially those that have particular goals in mind. Now, a couple of things come to mind when I hear fitness assessment, um, mainly that you know, assessments are going to serve uh, as a baseline for yourself or, you know, a trainer or coach that you're working with. And you're going to compare those measurements, you know, over time, right? So for instance, if you're doing particular assessments every, you know, eight weeks or 12 weeks, you can see whether or not you're going up or down based on the assessments that you're doing right? And those assessments really should fall under, you know, these five categories, really. Um, You're looking at strength, you're looking at balance, you're looking at stability, mobility, and endurance, right? So you're looking at those assessments. Those are the ones that I look at. Those are the ones I recommend to people. So you're looking at those five assessments. And when you complete those, you know, every eight to 12 weeks, whatever, you know, you have planned for yourself, you're looking for increases or decreases, and then you're going to plan your program around those results, right? So when you take your baseline, you're going to create your program or your trainer coach is going to create your program around those baseline results. Now, when you reassess yourself, uh, the next time, again, your program is going to shift based off from what those results are. So in one of the other things that I noticed with this, uh, with fitness assessments, is that it tends to, uh, normally, <laughs> it tends to increase the client's motivation to complete each cycle of their programming, again, based off their assessments. Now, That can backfire, right? Because if their assessments aren't improving where they need to be, then that might actually cause uh, the client or yourself again to not be as motivated to complete the next cycle. Um, You know, that's a case-by-case scenario because that doesn't always happen to people. But I think it's important to recognize that, you know, those four things that I mentioned, um, you know, the... Assessments, assessments serving as a baseline, uh, address those five areas, um, strength, balance, uh, stability, mobility, and endurance, uh, base your programming around the results, and then motivation. You know, those, those things right there, those are really going to be kind of the highlights to assessments. Now, how to choose the assessments is really going to be dependent on what the goal is. And again, if you're doing, if you're working by yourself, I would look at your goal and determine which measurements are going to be, you know, key to reaching your goal. Um, If you're working with a coach or a trainer, um, a lot of that's going to be handled for you. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you're paying them. Um, 
But if you're working by yourself, here's, here's what I would suggest. If your goal is to increase your strength and that's really your only goal, then I would look at every five weeks of doing max, uh, a max set, right? Uh, do a max set and then circle back around to reevaluate or reassess your program based off those results. So if you're a little more advanced, let's, let's take this in a slightly different direction. Um, if, say, overall health is your goal, now this is a little bit different because now you're, now you're dipping into an area where more of a physiologist would, would gather your data and you know, would interpret your data. That doesn't mean that you can't do it, but here are some things that physiologists tend to look at. Now, the first one's going to be anthropometric measurements or body composition. That can range anywhere from you know uh, height, weight, blood pressure, resting heart rate, uh, waist circumferences, hip, hip circumferences, uh, BMI. You know anything that has to do with body composition. Um, you'll you'll see in those anthropometric measurements, and then data will be compiled from that. You might also see body fat percentage from that. That's a little bit harder to calculate, especially if there's not a lot of um, you know larger equipment available. Um, so, like the Bod Pod, for instance, or a DEXA scan, or a bioimpedance, which some of those don't have a very high level of efficacy. Um, so the standard deviations for a lot of those are, you know, pretty wild. <laughs> so I don't know that I would worry too much about that. Um, but again, it is something that you might see in those anthropometric measurements um, that that a, a phys- a typically a physiologist would do something like this. Um, some coaches and trainers do it as well. I just don't see it a lot in that particular uh, profession. Um, muscular strength is going to be the other one. So muscular strength can usually be assessed by a one rep, um, a one rep measurement, you know, so, or a one rep max, I mean. Um, so depending on what you're trying to accomplish, um, you know, we'll see a one rep max, uh, done on say like a bench or a squat or something to that effect. Now, the other thing would be muscular endurance. Um, now, there is an actual protocol for this. Um, typically, you're set to a metronome. Um, not always. I guess it really depends on who's doing the particular test, but a lot of times it's set to a metronome. And then there is a number that you're trying to shoot for depending on your age. So, for example, um, you know, you might look at somebody in their 30s, they're shooting for about 18 to 21. Um, and I, I think I just skipped over this too. The <laughs> the muscular endurance test is typically a push-up test. Um, again, that's where the metronome comes into place. Um, you know, so you might have two seconds up, two seconds down, or one second up, one second down. And you're going to complete that until you're fatigued where you can't do another one or your form just breaks down to where, you know, you can't hold it up. Um, again, so 
just as an example, a male in their 30s are going to shoot for about 18 to 21, and that'll put them into a, an average range. Um, and, you know, this um, chart, I believe, is done by either ACE or ACSM. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so another one that you might see for muscular endurance is a curl-up test. I, I'm pretty sure this one's an ACSM uh, protocol, uh, but you would do something similar to that um, where there are lines. Uh, typically, we use tape, um, tape right behind the heels of the foot, and then where your fingertips lie uh, in a neutral position, and then you'll have to curl up and your toes have to reach the beginning portion of that tape that's in front of your heels. Again, it's a little bit hard to explain uh, verbally, but uh, visually, uh, it's a little easier, obviously, to, to, to tell. Um, so again, those are two of the muscular endurance tests that you'll typically see. There's a cardio-respiratory fitness test uh, that's either done on a treadmill, a cycle ergometer um, that measures VO2, so that's the maximum amount maximum amount of oxygen that your body is able to use. Um, there are sub VO2 max tests that you can do as well. Uh, those ones typically use um, like a, a step and I, I can't remember how high it has to be off the ground uh, 10 to 12 inches maybe. And that one I believe is a YMCA protocol. Um, don't quote me on that though. Um, but either way, that's, that's another one that we use for uh, cardio, cardio fitness, cardiorespiratory fitness. There's flexibility, which is like a sit and reach. Um, you, you've probably seen those in school, sit and reach. You'll uh, use a box that has a, uh, you know, a ruler on it and wherever your fingers lie, uh, that's, that's the measurement that they'll, they'll use. Again, that has a scale as well to tell you what range you fall into. And then mobility and stability. Now, there's a million and one different companies out there that uh, create uh, mobility and stability-based uh, assessments. Um, the one that comes to mind right off the top of my head is functional movement screening or FMS. Um, that was – it's been around since – the nineties, I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's, it's been since the nineties, but in any case, that, uh, is a slightly harder program to get a hold of or a, a assessment table to get a hold of, um, mainly because you have to pay for that. Uh, so for people that are doing that on their, that are doing this on their own, I would say forego that, uh, there are some other uh, stability and mobility based uh, assessments that are out there. Um, if you can't really find any, I would say just you know skip it um, and then focus on the other ones that I had mentioned. Now, just in closing, there are other fitness assessments that you can uh, add to what you're doing, like postural assessments, uh, squat assessments, uh, vertical jump assessments. Right, so there's all kinds of assessments 
that are out there. You'll just have to find the ones, If again, if you're working by yourself, find the ones that are applicable to what you're trying to do and measure those because those are going to give you the data to make the decision to change the program that you're following. So hopefully this wasn't boring. Hopefully you got something out of this. Um, you know, I, I try to give as much information as I can um, in the time frame that I set for these podcasts, which are usually about 15 minutes. Um, if you have questions or comments related to what I had talked about, you know, uh, I'll have a link in the description that you can drop a voice recording. You can always email me at evolvedathletics at gmail.com. Um, again, I'll put that in the description as well if you want to contact me. Um, otherwise, that's it. And, uh, you know, thank you again. We'll talk to you again next week.